Hello and welcome to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 11. Today I'm going to be discussing chapter 11 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Quidditch. So I know this is my first episode in almost a month and I was putting it on my social media that I was having microphone issues, technical difficulties, and finally got it figured out. So definitely not where I want to be with this book, just in terms of the chapter I would have been on this week. We're only doing chapter 11. And the first episode I premiered in October was Halloween, the Halloween chapter, chapter 10, which was perfect. And it ended up working out that because I couldn't record for most of October with my microphone issues, I'm actually reading chapter 11, where the very first paragraph is a description of November And this episode is premiering on November 1st, so it actually kind of ended up working out. Now to get into the recent Harry Potter news, or Wizarding World news. So yesterday was Halloween, and Tom Felton, the actor who plays Draco Malfoy, actually dressed up as Harry Potter. So that was pretty cool. His costume was fun to see. And of course, just around the world, people dress up as Harry Potter characters. I dressed up my two-year-old, or sorry, two-month-old nephew in a Hogwarts student costume. It was a Gryffindor scarf and he had the cloak on and it was really cute. And just people around the world dress up in Harry Potter costumes as well. And in other Wizarding World news, there is a company called Le Crusette. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but they have like kitchen items and their newest collection is a Harry Potter collection. They have like a subtle nod to the series in each of these new items. So one of the items is a golden snitch Dutch oven and it's blue and it has a golden snitch knob. There's also a red Dutch oven with an embossment of Harry's glasses and it has a lightning bolt bolt knob. And there's a tea kettle with nine and three quarters on the handle. And there's also spell casting spatulas. So a few different kinds of spatula heads and the uh, stick part of it is all wands. So there's the elder wand I see there, there's Harry's wand and there's a few others. And they also have a Hedwig pie bird. And other items are basically a set of four plates. So they have their own sets based on the four Hogwarts houses. There's also a set of four mugs that have places like three broomsticks and Ollivanders kind of on them. Like a subtle nod to them. They're incorporated into the design somehow. And also the other wands for the spatulas are Hermione and Ron's. And there's an embroidered pot holder, a Deathly Hollow spoon rest, and there's also a Voldemort baker pan. So these are pretty cool items. Some of them are a little bit pricey. They can range anywhere from $25 to $400. So kind of just depends on what item you're getting, but they all look really cool. And just a reminder to everybody, my email is Podcast at gmail.com. You can email me with any questions, concerns, anything like that. My Twitter is at SlytherinPod. My Facebook page is The Heiress of Slytherin Podcast. And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. On Anchor, you can also leave me a voice message or you can donate to my podcast. And it would be great if you could leave a review on whichever platform you listen from and just spread the word. And now to get into the summary of what happened last chapter. So Harry received a brand new broomstick, the super cool Nimbus 2000. Malfoy tries to get him in trouble for it and it doesn't work. 
because remember there was the rule that first years aren't allowed to own their own broomsticks and here Harry is with a broomstick because he is Gryffindor's new seeker and Oliver Wood the Gryffindor team captain he teaches Harry about the rules of Quidditch and Harry is already really good just like their first practice in and as time goes on he just starts to get super busy with homework and all his practices and he also feels more at home at Hogwarts than he ever did with the Dursleys at Privet Drive. And then Halloween arrives and Ron makes Hermione cry on Halloween. And a troll is let into the castle. Hermione was crying in the bathroom all day. She didn't know about the troll. So Ron and Harry go to save her. And they end up taking down the troll. I guess you could say kind of an accident. Um, it kind of knocks itself unconscious with its club because Ron successfully does the Wingardium Leviosa spell and the trio basically loses and earns Gryffindor points and the trio actually officially forms Harry, Ron, Hermione, their friend group so really cool and now to get into the chapter I wanted to read the first paragraph because I love the description as they entered November the weather turned very cold the mountains around the school became icy gray and the lake like chilled steel Every morning, the ground was covered in frost. Hagrid could be seen from the upstairs windows defrosting broomsticks on a Quidditch field, bundled up in a long moleskin overcoat, rabbit fur gloves, and enormous beaver skin boots. So Quidditch season has officially begun, and Saturday is Harry's first match. Gryffindor is going to be playing Slytherin. So they've been at school for about two months now. So in this upcoming Quidditch match, if Gryffindor wins, they'll move up into second place in the house championship. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Houses do get points for winning Quidditch games. So they get points towards their house cup at the end of the year. Doesn't We never really know how many points they receive. It doesn't really specify how many, but we know it does count towards their total points because later on Harry does lose the lead that he gained from this match. And that is part of what contributes to Gryffindor House losing so many points. So Oliver Wood did want to keep Harry being their new seeker. He wanted that to be kept a secret, but it did get leaked. And I'm thinking it might have been the twins, Fred and George. But some are excited. Others are giving him some negativity about it. But Harry does feel lucky to have Hermione as a new friend because she's helping him with his homework while wow, he's super busy with practices. Hermione also lends him the book Quidditch Through the Ages, and it details the history, evolution, rules about Quidditch, and it's by Kenilworthy Wisp, and the author actually did write a real Quidditch Through the Ages book, and it's pretty cool. I read it, I read it like so over a decade ago, very long time ago, but it was cool because in it, it had notes from Harry, Ron, and Hermione, like they were writing notes in the book and the next person that checked out the book from the library would see them. That's kind of how the concept was. So it was pretty cool. And you did learn a lot about the history of Quidditch and just the rules of the game, including some fouls. So there are 700 ways of committing a foul in Quidditch. And a fun fact, in the 1473 World Cup, all of them were committed. So... Some fouls are specific to just one position on the team and some are for all players. So some of them for all players include blagging, which is seizing an opponent's broom to slow them down, blatching, which is flying with the intent to collide into somebody, 
Flirting, which is locking broom handles to steer opponents off course. Cobbing, which is the excessive use of elbows towards a player. And then for just beaters, bumping is hitting a bludger to the crowd. For keepers only, it's flacking, which is sticking any anatomy in a hoop to punch the quaffle out. So that's sticking your arm in, leg in, whatever you might stick in. You're not allowed to do that. For chasers, there's haversacking, which is your hand is still on the quaffle as it goes through a goal hoop. So remember, chasers are the ones who score the points. So their hand can't still be on the quaffle as they're trying to score a point. And then quaffle pocking, again for chasers, this is tampering with a quaffle. And snitch snip is for all players except the seeker. It's any player except for the seeker touching or catching a golden snitch. That's that's a foul. That's not allowed. And then stooging is also just for chasers. And that's just more than one chaser entering the scoring area. So one of the departments in the Ministry of Magic is Department of Magical Games and Sports. So their records indicate about 85% of the fouls in Quidditch are about different spells being used and the rest aren't really about spells but it's just silly fouls like attacking a player with an axe. Seekers are usually the smallest and quickest and they also are often in involved in the most serious accidents in Quidditch that happen during games but people, I mean the players rarely die. Hermione is no longer as uptight about rules. She's a little bit more relaxed about breaking them. And one day before the match, so the day before the Quidditch match is on a Friday, um, Ron, Harry, and Hermione are outside and she conjures up blue flames in a jar. And once they see Snape walking by, they kind of hide in front of it, in front of the jar. And Snape is walking by limping. So that's already a kind of a big clue. It's supposed to indicate that he did see Fluffy, the big three-headed dog, and he got bit by him. Snape notices Harry holding the Quidditch Through the Ages book, and he takes five points from Gryffindor, and he says that it's because library books aren't allowed to be taken outside the school. This is honestly just an example of Snape being foolishly petty. I wanted to mention a few other things about Snape that really aren't great, petty, terrible, rude, mean, evil, whatever you want to call it. So just bullying his students constantly, the ones that aren't Slytherins, especially Neville. He treated Neville terribly. There's also a time in the Goblet of Fire in the fourth book where Draco and Harry kind of throw curses at each other and they actually hit their friends. So I think one Harry's curse hits either Crab or Goyle and Draco's curse hits Hermione and it basically causes her teeth to grow like way past her chin. And she's already kind of bucktoothed, but she doesn't have beaver teeth like Draco's curse gave her. And Harry and Ron are telling Snape, like, no, look, he cursed Hermione too. Look at her teeth. And so she shows him and Snape tells her, I see no difference. That is absolutely rude. That is terrible for a teacher to say to a student, for anyone to say to anybody. I think that Harry and Neville were especially some of his favorite targets to bully. Something else about Snape that really isn't good is that he really only cared if Voldemort killed Lily, not her husband and son. So he really did not care if Voldemort killed killed her son. He didn't care if Harry and James died. He just cared if Lily died. So yeah, you love Lily and you're jealous of her husband and you don't like her son because he looks just like James Potter, who he hates. 
but he still didn't care if they died. He only cared if Lily died. And that's still, if you love her, then wouldn't you want her family to survive too? I don't know. I don't think it's really great of him. I also think another example of him being super petty was when he secretly, kind of in a secretive sort of manner, revealed that Lupin was a werewolf. Hermione was the only one that really caught on, but he did it when he substitute teacher for Defense Against the Dark Arts in their third year. He randomly was like, okay, we're going to talk about werewolves today. And Hermione is the only one that caught on, but still he did it then. And then towards the end of the book, he reveals it to everybody that Lupin is a werewolf. And that was just petty of him to do. And he knows it. Everyone knows it. And the last example I want to say, it's not an example of him being petty, but it's an example of how he's really not an amazingly nice or great person was that he was a Death Eater. He was okay with Voldemort seeking all this power and killing all these people and being the way he was, being a very evil dark wizard. He joined Voldemort. He wanted to be his follower. He wanted to be a part of that. Like Snape, that wasn't, he wasn't forced into that. He wanted to be a Death Eater. He liked dark magic. He was evil. The only reason that he turned to the good side was because Voldemort was planning to kill Lily and he actually did end up killing her. So if he hadn't killed her, he probably would have still remained faithful to Voldemort. The only reason he turned faithful to Dumbledore was because Voldemort killed Lily. So Snape, you know, he's someone that I'm going to have so many episodes on, just deep discussions, but that's just a little reminder of how he's not always a great person, especially now where he's being petty and just decides to take points from Gryffindor for no reason, really. So Harry thinks that Snape made up the rule about the library books can't be taken outside the school. And there's a lot of pride with house points. Like, they're taken very seriously. So when you earn them, it's exciting. When you lose them, it's frustrating. The trio then heads back up to the Gryffindor common room. It's super noisy and crowded that evening. And Hermione is actually checking Ron and Harry's charms homework. She won't let them copy, but she checks their answers and gives them the right ones anyways. Harry is still very frustrated that Snape uh, took points from Gryffindor and took his book. So he decides that he's going to go back and ask Snape for it. And he goes down to the staff room. He knocks and after no one answers, he opens the door. And that's pretty bold of Harry to do here. I would be scared to just open the door for a staff room. But, you know, he's his Gryffindor is showing. So Snape and Filch are in there in the staff room. Filch is handing him bandages, and Snape says, how are you supposed to keep your eyes on all three heads at once? This is referring to Fluffy, of course, so the limp is about to make sense to Harry. I also think it's interesting that Snape is fixing up his leg with Filch there. He didn't go to Madame Pomfrey. Um, he, so this is trying to trick the reader into thinking that he is the thief from Gringotts. And it also implies that Fluffy's bite isn't something that can be cured with magic. So Filch, remember, he's a squib. He doesn't have any magic. He might have been helping in some way, but Snape is also a very gifted healer. We learn more about this in the sixth book, Half-Blood Prince. He's incredibly gifted with magic, and part of his talents include healing. So he could have healed himself if he was able to, but the fact that he's here with Filch, just with normal bandages, it's kind of implying that maybe Fluffy's bite isn't something that can be cured with magic very quickly. Or even with magic at all. So later on we'll learn that Fluffy is resistant to magic. So his bites are most likely resistant to magical healing. So Snape sees Harry in the staff room and he bellows at him to get out. 
Snape is clearly furious and Harry runs. No, he sprints back before more points can be taken away. And when he gets back to the tower, he tells Ron and Hermione what he saw and how he tried to get whatever the dog was hiding and that he thinks that Snape is the one who let the troll in as a diversion to go steal whatever Fluffy is hiding. Hermione says that she doesn't think Snape would try to steal anything that Dumbledore is keeping safe, and Ron agrees with her. Then the next morning, Harry wakes up. He isn't hungry. He's extremely nervous. And at 11 o'clock, the whole school seems to be at the Quidditch pitch, so it's a, it's a game that no one wants to miss. Some of the Gryffindors painted a large banner for Harry. It says Potter for president and Dean Thomas is actually really good at drawing. Fun little fact. He drew a Gryffindor lion on it and Hermione charmed it to flash different colors. Wood starts with a little pep talk and he tells his team that he's confident they'll win. And Madam Hooch, she was the one who was teaching the first years how to fly. She is actually the referee for this game and she says to... It seems like she's specifically talking to Marcus Flint. She says that she wants a nice, fair game. So Marcus Flint is the current Slytherin Quidditch team captain. A little bit of background on Marcus Flint. He is a chaser, and he's the Quidditch team captain during Harry's first three years at Hogwarts, so he's the same year as Oliver Wood. And they are just bitter rivals. And Flint is known for not playing fair. Which is why Madame Hooch was speaking particularly to him about playing a nice, fair game. Harry thinks that Marcus Flint looks like he has some troll blood in him. And that's saying something because Harry has seen a troll up close. And I don't want to talk too much about the game specifics because that'd be kind of reading exactly what happens, all the moves. But I'll just summarize it a little bit and talk about some of the characters. So Angelina Johnson... She is on the Gryffindor team, and as soon as the game starts, she immediately takes hold of the quaffle. So Angelina Johnson, she is the team chaser, one of them, and she actually becomes the Quidditch captain after Oliver Wood graduates Hogwarts. She becomes a member of Dumbledore's army later on, and she fights in the Battle of Hogwarts. She goes to the Yule Ball with Fred Weasley, and she ends up marrying George Weasley, and they have two children, which are named Roxanne and Fred. Of course, George names his son after his twin brother, who at that point has already died. Lee Jordan, remember he is a Gryffindor who is Fred and George's best friend. He had the tarantula on the Hogwarts Express at the beginning of the book, and he is usually the one who does the commentary for the Quidditch games. So Hagrid is actually with the Gryffindors. He's in their stands. And Gryffindor is the first team to score. And at that point, there is still no sign of the snitch yet. And Harry and Wood had planned ahead of time for Harry to kind of glide above the game, keep out of the way until he spotted the snitch. And eventually, he does spot the snitch. Terrence Higgs is the name of the Slytherin Seeker. And that's, of course, Harry's chief opponent during this first match of the season. And Harry is faster than him, which you never want the Seeker on the other team to be faster than you if you're the Seeker, or you don't want that ever. So Marcus Flint actually ends up blocking Harry's broom, and Harry has to hold on for dear life. And this causes Madame Hooch to scold Marcus Flint. And it also causes Gryffindor to have a free shot at the goalposts. And Dean Thomas, it's so funny, he yells at the ref, I guess, to give him a red card. And Dean was raised by his mother, who is a muggle. 
So he grew up in the muggle world. He was a big fan of football, which, of course, in my American version, it says soccer, but they mean football in the UK. And he so he's used to red cars um, in football played by muggles. And he thinks that Marcus Flint should get that. And Ron says that Quidditch doesn't have red cards. Throughout this match as well, Lee Jordan, the commentator, he's very biased to his house, to Gryffindor. And McGonagall is mad that he isn't keeping his commentary unbiased. But she definitely does agree with him because Slytherin plays dirty. They don't play by the rules. And she wants her house to win. Some of the things that Lee Jordan says include after that obvious and disgusting bit of cheating and after that open and revolting foul. So these are the things that he's saying as his commentary. Now, this scene in the movie, it looks like he's speaking into some sort of like megaphone, microphone type thing, but they don't have that in the Wizarding World. They really, I mean, they use their wands because that's what amplifies the sound. I'm not really sure how like the Wizarding musicians do it because in a Goblet of Fire movie, they do have microphones. But whenever Dumbledore or any like other commentators need to like, use their voice to be very loud they usually just have a spell that amplifies their voice so i'm guessing that's what lee jordan does it's not very specific but he might just be using a sort of muggle type of mention like that megaphone microphone type thing as well either way he is saying these things and the entire school is hearing him and that's part of why mcgonagall is so mad and i also want to take this time to just mention the other quidditch players in this game of course we have fred and george who are the beaters for the gryffindor team and then we have Katie Bell. She is the chaser for the Gryffindor team. Um, she also becomes a member of Dumbledore's army in the Order of the Phoenix book, the fifth book. And Draco Malfoy, he tries to kill Dumbledore in the Half-Blood Prince, the sixth book. And she ends up being put under the Imperious Curse by Malfoy. And she's made to carry a package with a cursed oval necklace to Dumbledore in one of Malfoy's failed attempts to kill him. And the package rips and it exposes Katie to the necklace's painful curse. And then another player is the chaser on the Slytherin team called Adrian Puce. And he's one of the only Slytherin players that Harry does not witness cheating. He actually does play during the match next year when a rogue bludger shatters Harry's arm. So during this match, eventually Harry's broom suddenly lurches as though it's trying to buck him off and it's completely out of his control. And people don't really notice all this chaos at first. Slytherin score... And then people start to notice that Harry is just dangling by one hand. Hagrid says that nothing can interfere with a broomstick except powerful dark magic. And he thinks that absolutely no kid can be causing it. And he's right. So Hermione kind of scans the crowd and she finds Snape muttering nonstop. Um, and she thinks that he's jinxing the broom. So Hermione disappears to fix this problem right away. And Fred and George, meanwhile, they're attempting to pull Harry safely onto one of their broomsticks, but it's no good. He's just jerking around the air too much. And then Flint, Marcus Flint, he takes the quaffle and he scores five times without anybody noticing because everyone's just focused on Harry and his safety. At least the Gryffindor team is. So Hermione races across to the stand where Snape is. And big clue here, she knocks Quirrell headfirst into the front row. So, spoiler alert, Quirrell is actually the one who was trying to jinx Harry off his broom. Snape was muttering a counter curse here. So, when she knocked into Quirrell, she broke his concentration. And she actually set Snape's robes on fire, so that's what they think is stopping Snape from 
jinxing Harry, even though it's, or jinxing his broom, even though it's Quirrell. But since Hermione bumped into him, knocked him head first, she broke his concentration. She also did break Snape's concentration, but he wasn't the one that was jinxing the broom anyways. So she waits for Snape to notice the flames and then she scoops them back into her jar. These were the same flames that she did earlier, actually the day before when they hid in front of them when Snape was saying that Harry wasn't allowed to have a library book outside of school. Harry is able to regain control and then he hops back onto his broomstick and I thought it was so funny that once Harry was able to kind of clamber back onto his broom, it says, Neville, you can look, Ron said. Neville had been sobbing into Hagrid's jacket for the last five minutes. I think he was just so worried about Harry that he was just crying into Hagrid's jacket because he was so scared for him. So Harry just goes speeding, flying towards the ground, and the crowd sees him clap his hands to his mouth as though he's about to be sick. So he hits the field on all fours, coughs, and then something gold falls into his hand, and that is the golden snitch. Harry catches it, it gives Gryffindor 150 points, and automatically ends the game. Gryffindor ends up winning. So he was confused, but then he was like, wait, I've got the snitch. And Flint was absolutely furious. Even 20 minutes after the match, he's still yelling that Harry didn't catch the snitch, that he almost swallowed it. But it really didn't make any difference, that's not a foul or anything. Harry didn't break any rules, and Gryffindor is extremely happy. They won the game 170 points to 60. So I do need to talk about Harry swallowing the golden snitch. This is so, so, so important. It doesn't come up again until the very last book in Deathly Hollows, but snitches have flesh memories. So the creators that make a golden snitch, they wear special gloves because the snitch isn't supposed to have their flesh memory on it. So... When a golden snitch is first used, whoever catches it, it has their flesh memory on it. Harry doesn't catch his first snitch. He almost swallows it. So in a Deathly Hollows book, Dumbledore's will, his will is read to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and he leaves each of them objects. And one of the objects that he left for Harry was the first snitch that he caught in his very first match. So when Rufus Grimmingor, who is the... Uh, minister of magic at that time uh like six years from now he has a golden snitch in a special like bag and a special wrapping whatever it is and he holds it out for harry to grab and he's anticipating this because the ministry thinks that dumbledore might have left an object inside of the snitch for harry so when he touches it rufus is so ex he thinks that something's going to happen and nothing does he's disappointed so this is a detail that none of them are catching yet. Harry didn't touch and grab the first snitch with his hand. He almost swallowed it. So this is a quote kind of explaining this. And this quote is said by Rufus Scrimgore. And, or Scrimgore, Scrimgore. I kind of say it differently every time. But this is a quote by him in the Deathly Hollows. He says that a snitch is not touched by bare skin before it is released. Not even by the maker who wears gloves. It carries an enchantment by which it can identify the first human to lay hands upon it in case of a disputed capture. So Dumbledore does leave an object for Harry inside of the Golden Snitch. And he leaves him a hollow, a deathly hollow, the resurrection stone. It's on the ring, which also happens to be a horcrux. So Harry, Hermione, like they don't even realize till months later that there is more to this snitch. So Harry actually presses the snitch to his mouth 
because that's the first flesh that the snitch has a memory of. It's Harry's mouth, not his hands. So once Harry puts puts the snitch to his mouth, it reveals a message saying, I open at the close. And this is kind of like the first clue and Harry uses it later on. But that's a huge, big, clever move by Dumbledore because the ministry wasn't going to realize that. I mean, they could have, someone could have known that Harry swallowed the first snitch, but they really weren't even thinking about that. So very clever on Dumbledore's part. And this is another example of how sometimes things in this series are mentioned in the first book or happen in the first book. They don't happen again or come up again or are mentioned again until years later. In this case, about six years later, first book, then the very last book, where it becomes important again about the flesh memories and of how Harry almost swallowed his first snitch. He didn't actually catch it at first. After the Quidditch match, the trio heads to Hagrid's hut where they're having some tea. And Ron and Hermione are telling them about Snape jinxing the broom and Harry, or sorry, Hagrid calls it rubbish, but Harry doesn't, he agrees with Ron and Hermione that this is something's up with Snape. Because he reveals about Snape's leg, how he was limping, what he saw in the staff room, and about Fluffy. And Hagrid is absolutely shocked that they know about Fluffy. Now, the trio doesn't call him Fluffy. They say the big three-headed dog. And then Hagrid's like, how do you guys know about Fluffy? So they learn that Fluffy is that huge three-headed dog's name. And Hagrid says that, yeah, Fluffy's mine. He bought it off a Greek chappy. So this is pretty cool because... Cerberus in Greek mythology is the three-headed hound, pretty much described exactly how he is in this novel. Big three-headed dog, and in Greek mythology, he is actually the hound of Hades, and this dog, Cerberus, he guards the gates of the underworld to prevent the dead from leaving. So Hagrid's saying he bought it off a Greek fellow, it's pretty cool. Now, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are absolutely convinced that Snape is the culprit of all of this. One of the reasons being that Hermione says that a jinx, you have to maintain eye contact and Snape wasn't blinking. And Hagrid just tells them that they're all wrong to stop meddling, forget the dog, forget what is guarding. And he says that's between Professor Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. So Harry, Ron, Hermione are like, wait, who? Nicholas Flamel? He reveals the name Nicholas Flamel, which is very important. He reveals that to the trio. And Hagrid is absolutely furious that he even said anything at all. And that is where the chapter ends. So I want to get into some answers that a listener sent in for these chapter questions. All of these answers are from my listener, Nilda. And the first question I asked was, do you happen to remember the first time you read this book or watched this movie? Did you really think that Snape was the culprit or did you think that it could be someone other than him? Remember, like all the clues were pointing to Snape. And she said that, yes, she definitely thought that Snape was the culprit and that he really, truly wanted to hurt Harry. I also asked, do you like how the captains are the coaches for the team and that they're the students on the team, they're players on the team themselves? Do you think it would be better if Hogwarts actually hired people to coach each house team in Quidditch or if it's cool that the students are doing it? And she said that it would probably be very hard to coach the players that are in constant rapid movement. And, you know, it might be because if you have someone else on a room flying up there, they have to watch a bunch of things at once. Um, The Quidditch captain kind of does that, too. He kind of coaches them and says what he wants, what he doesn't want, his strategy. So either way, I think coaching Quidditch is just going to be super hard. And I personally think that if the students have the opportunity to become a team captain and actually coach the team, then 
It just adds on to like a list of skills they can graduate Hogwarts with. And I want to know for my other listeners, you guys could always answer any of these questions ahead of time or you can email me, tweet me your answers after the episode premieres. But does this game kind of confirm in your mind what position you'd really want to play or did you maybe have a position in Quidditch that you want to play and then this chapter kind of changed your mind or do you think that you're just better as a spectator in the stands? I want to know what you guys think. For next week's episode, make sure that you read chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is called The Mirror of Erised. I always said when I was younger and I read the books, I would always read it as Erised, but in the movies, Dumbledore says it as Erised, and I don't know. I just always read it in my head as Erised, but going based off what they say in the movies, it's Erised. So you guys can follow me on social media. On Twitter, I'm at SlytherinPod. Facebook page is the Aerosol Slytherin Podcast. If you want to email me, you can email me at the Aerosol Slytherin Podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave me voice messages or kind of like voicemails, voice memos through the anchor link. You can also donate a small contribution to the podcast. And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. And it would mean so much if you would subscribe, write a review on whichever platform you listen to and just spread the word that's the end of this week's episode thank you for listening to the heiress of slytherin i'm Mikaela. bye